those of you that are visiting, I'm not the pastor. Our pastor's on vacation, but I'm uh, thankful to have the opportunity to preach this morning to all of you. Um, my, my message this morning is plain and to the point. I'm sure that's not going to hurt anybody's feelings. But this morning, I want to lift up the name of Jesus. I want to I want to give him all the glory that is due unto him. Chapter number nine, we're going to start reading in verse number 35. We're going to read down to verse number 38. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I thank you for letting us gather here this morning freely to open your word and to lift up Jesus our Savior. Lord, I pray that you will help me this morning as I give this message. Lord, I only you can deal with our hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, only you can move upon us in a way that will be... Uh, life-changing and to transform us, Father. And God, I pray that you will just deal with us this morning, encourage us where we need it, convict us where we need it, Father. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that today that they would come to know Christ as their Savior and that they would uh, be born again, Lord. And, and I just thank you for our church and I thank you for how good you are to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to preach to you a few minutes this morning on having compassion for the multitude, I'm thankful that someone had compassion enough for me, that cared enough about me to share the good news of Jesus Christ with me, um, that I could, as a 13-year-old boy, uh, be born again and be saved. And and as we read the scripture here, um, there's a few things that I want to point out this morning I want us to look at. And I want us to consider our own lives as, as how we're living as Christians and, and if we're doing exactly what God would want us to do. I believe that that's uh, important for us to do as Christians is to regularly assess ourselves and to see what it is that we ought to be doing better. And I want us to consider this morning if we're having the same type of compassion that the Lord Jesus had here. Um, when we look here, we ask ourselves, uh, well, who is it that Jesus is and what is it that he was doing? And uh, for most of you here, I don't know all of you, but most of us know who Jesus is. But it's not going to hurt to repeat again that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Savior of all of mankind. He is eternal past, eternal future. He He has always been. He always will be. And he's alive today, and he's coming back again. Uh, Jesus is uh, Jesus and him coming to this earth uh, was for uh, for our sin uh, to uh, to cover and to um, pay for what we could not pay for. Uh, his death on the, uh, on the cross uh, uh, completed that. His, uh, his uh, resurrection um, from the grave gives us victory over death and over hell. Uh, and we, once we place our faith in him and his finished work, become his children of God. And in God's eyes, we are uh, pure and holy as Christ with his blood on us. So here was Jesus out and he was, he was healing people. He was uh, he was doing uh, the work of uh, sharing the, the, his good news. Um, and we see that, that he was meeting people's physical needs at that point in time. And he was showing people that he was someone of power um, and that he could 
perform these miracles in their life. Um, when we look at who we are, we have to consider, well, who is it that I am in comparison to the Lord? Who I, I, You look at yourself right now, you ask yourself, well, who are you? Well, for me, I'm a 35-year-old man. I, I try to serve the Lord to the best of my ability, but I know me and myself that I am uh, that I'm a sinner, that I don't deserve the love of God. Um, I, who I am is uh, I had the privilege of being uh, raised in a family that taught me um, that Jesus loved me and that Jesus died for me. And, and so as a young boy, I was able to put my faith in Jesus Christ. But who some of you are may not have the same background. Some of you, if you recall, did not have that same privilege. Some of you grew up and, and continued in young adulthood, maybe far into adulthood, living in your sin, lost and separated from God. And what, what I'm wanting us to do here is to consider as saved people um, where Jesus brought us from and where we are now and who we are now as children of God. And what we have now is our salvation. We, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen when we draw our last breath one day. I hope it's a long time for all of us. But when that day does come, I know at least for myself that I'll enter into heaven with the Lord for all of eternity to be to be with him. That's who I am. But should I keep all of that to myself? Well, absolutely not. We we were at one point in time, just like the people that left the bars early this morning. We were at one point in time, just like all the people that's locked up downtown right now. We, we still in our fleshliness can still be that way. The only difference is Jesus. That's the only difference. What we ought to do is have great compassion towards those that don't know Jesus Christ. I think it would be shocking to many of us if we, if we actually took the time to realize that there, there are not as many people that really know the truth of what the Bible teaches about who Jesus is. I think sometimes we fooled ourselves because we live in the South and it's such a, uh, a religious place that everybody has already heard the gospel and everybody has already kind of made up their mind about Jesus. That's just not true. And many people that have thought that they've heard the gospel have not really heard who Jesus is and how they can be born again. So that's who, that's who we are and what Jesus brought us out of, and I praise God for it. But then we also have to ask ourselves, well, where are we? Well, obviously, we're right here in Knoxville, Tennessee, but... We're, we're living in a town, we're living in a nation right now that is having constant spiritual battles. Um, we see that it appears that in, in many ways that things are uh, moving very far from godliness and going uh, downhill uh, in, in regards to what is right. Um, and and we're, that's where we are and that's, that's what we're facing as of right now. We're in a challenging position. So we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we're actually doing about that? I mean... Uh, just to press upon you a little bit, and, and upon me very honestly as well. If we praise God for his goodness, we're thankful that Jesus saved us, but I ask you, how often are we telling other people that Jesus died for them and that Jesus wants to save them? Uh, I was talking with Brother Jim before he had uh, had opened us up this morning and had to go over to Children's Church, but this is a very comfortable place for a Christian to be. We have the word of God. We're not afraid to preach out of our Bible here. We, we love one another. We are, we are one family, the children of God together. What a very comfortable place to be. But I think sometimes 
we get so comfortable here. We enjoy hearing uh, good preaching. Um, we enjoy the, the, the fellowship and all the things that are offered that we get so comfortable in it that we don't take that out and share it with those that need it. We don't go out and we tell others about their need to be saved and to try to, to compel them to come in and to hear the gospel and where they are to share the gospel with them. So I want us to consider a few things just looking at this passage here. I'll be very brief this morning, but I, I want us to ask ourselves, are we having compassion on the multitude as Jesus did? The first thing I want us to look at is the multitude of people. Let's read verse 35 and 36 again very quickly. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. One thing that I noticed here about the multitude is that there they were, they were waiting. You know, we, contrary to what may be believed by, by many folks, lost people are still willing to hear the gospel. They're still, they, they're still looking for an answer. Sometimes we allow the devil to lie to us and we believe that, well, you know, they've either made up their mind or they don't want to hear what I have to say. And it's just that's out of my comfort zone. But right now, right this second, there are people in our community that are looking for hope, that are that are looking for some kind of help, something that can can move them and change their life. And they've sought it out, maybe in drugs or maybe in alcohol or maybe in illicit relationships or maybe in money or maybe in career or maybe in just trying to be a decent moral person. And it has left them empty. And here they still stand waiting for an answer and waiting for the truth. How how foolish it would be of us to keep what we have, the good news of Jesus Christ, to ourselves and to not go out and to share it with them when there's people that are waiting for this. I mean, if we really look on them as we should in a compassionate manner of having pity on them, I mean, almost the same way you would look at a small child that was in need. They, they don't know any better. They know they have a need, but they might not know exactly what they need. And those of us that can give it to them, how, how bad it would be of us to just keep it back and to hold it back. So I look at the multitude, I see that they were waiting. But also, we see it says because they fainted, they were weak. This world offers nothing in regards to anything that's real strength and hope and anything that you can grab onto. You know, the biggest thing that helped me in my faith as a young man, I did not come from a, a, a family of preachers. I, I came from a Christian background, but I would even say not a really strong Christian background. And what little I am is what Jesus has uh, has made out of me. But there is there, the strength that we have as Christians comes from him, but the this world, it offers nothing, but it says that it offers, it says it offers everything, right? It lies and tells you you can find happiness and all these things. I, I frequently work with people that, that travel, general contractors that um, I'm working with one this week that's from Mississippi. I worked with one a couple weeks ago that was from Louisiana, and, and uh, these are pretty decent men. One of them was a Christian man, but, uh, you know, I frequently see this, and, and far too often I see men that their life is that they work and they drink and they're and they uh, they think that what makes them a respectable person is by treating other people around them worse and, and being rude to them and being hard to them. And you look at their life and you see these are empty people. 
These people need the Lord Jesus Christ. They thought that they could find happiness probably as a young man by chasing after a good career that people would respect and by filling up their bank account. Yet here they are, weak, fainting, in need of what is real substance. What we have here is substance. Like I said, when I was a young man, what helped me grow in my faith, I began, I began searching for, for, uh, for truth. Now, I was saved, but I wanted to know what it meant to be a good Christian. There was a little picture in, um, in Brother Bob Bevington's uh, bookstore at Knoxville Baptist Tabernacle. It was a kid's magazine. I was a kid. It was appealing to me. It was a little magazine. It showed a little Christian boy. Just looked like any any other little fellas we'd have back there, and then it showed a it showed a, a kind of an adolescent boy carrying a Bible with him, and then the other picture was a knight walking around in armor uh, with a sword. And I thought to myself, well, how you know how do how would I become like the knight? How would I become to that to that point? And so I guess you could say, as a young man, I was trying to learn how is it that you reach that point and. And the answer to that was through prayer and Bible study, regular attendance to the Word of God, the fundamentals of our faith and doing that. But I began to see God uh, God work in my life and God answer questions that I have and, and do things that only God can do. And it, and it, it really built my faith and it, and it helped me to grow, um, to grow as a Christian. And it offered me strength when this world, when I was going to the University of Tennessee, there's no strength found in anything that could be offered there. What we have to, what we have to acknowledge, what we have to remember is all the things that the world thinks is fulfilling them is leaving them empty and they don't even know it and we do. And some, and a lot of times we're not even telling them any different. We're not sharing the gospel with them. They're weak and they're in great need, but also we see that they were scattered abroad. They were wandering. They, they were wandering around. They had no place. I'm glad that unless it's sickness or some type of, to, of tragedy or something like that, I expect to know where I'll be on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night because I have a place. I have a home, a, a group of people that I love and, and a place I can come and hear more about my Savior and I can be fed um, and I have this place. But the the, the lost people of this world, they, they're they're wandering. They have no place that they can grab onto. They have no, they have no eternal hope. You know, the, the idea of, uh, uh, there's so many false religions out there, but even those that are, they, they don't call them religions, but they are evolutionism and communism and, and, uh, uh, atheism and all those things are religions. Uh, you know, and they give themselves into this, these things, but they're wandering and they jump around. Why is it that we have so many, uh, young people, and I'm not just talking about children, but even young adults that, it looks like it looks like sanity has just gone off the rails here. It's because these people are wandering, looking for something, just something to grab onto, but they can't find anything that's really giving them what they need. They're not finding the real answer. There are people without without any help. They're wandering, and they're without leadership. It says that they were as a sheep having no shepherd. I'm a pretty dumb guy. That if you hang around me enough, you'll learn that. And if you have, you know, if you don't believe me, just ask my wife. She will verify. She will verify this. I need leading. I need guidance. And I thank God that he has guided me through my life and areas of my life that I knew not what to do or how to answer or how to how to what step to take next. But to just faithfully just live for God 
and let him make the steps for you. Let him just take you along. But the lost, they don't, they don't have, they don't have that. They're without leadership. They, they think they lead their own life. They think they are their own boss. They think they are their own master. But yet they're in the bondage of sin that they can't escape. They're stuck in that position. I want us, what I really want us to get this morning and understand is just how lost the lost are. Then we have the mention in verse 37 of the laborers. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. If you have believed the lie that the devil tries to make us think that nobody wants to hear the gospel or that everybody's going to push you away or that nobody will give you the time of day, verse 37 right here tells you different. The harvest is plenteous. I had read, I I don't know if it's true, I can assume that it was, that this verse, they say, haunted Charles Spurgeon more than any other verse in the Bible. There's so many out there that are lost and in need, but so few willing to go out and to share the gospel. I'll be very honest with you. I think think that sometimes that that is the, um, sometimes one of the hardest burdens of men that I know that are good men of God, that preach and that are pastors, is sometimes uh, feeling alone. Not not that we are alone, but feeling like there's just so few that are willing. I mean, when you look at our country right now, and I'm not going to get into all this political nonsense, but when you look at our country right now, what what we see is still a handful of churches. Some so many of them are false religions, and even those that do preach the gospel. So much of it is watered down. So much of it is just tolerant of sin. So much of it is just trying to um, trying to be like the world for the sake of bringing the world in. We've seen that go on for two, three decades now, uh, probably longer. It's all I've been around to see. It seems like there are just not as many just Bible preaching churches. It, and it can become discouraging sometimes. But let me remind you again: we're, it, I can't, I can't go out and make all of you. I mean, I'm preaching to you this morning what God has laid upon my heart. But I have no ability within myself to make y'all go out and share the gospel with other people. And y'all can't make me, or we can't force great multitudes to do this. But you can worry about you, and you can't ask yourself: Am I doing my part as a Christian to be sharing the gospel with people that are lost? that are dying and going to hell every single day. You go into these hospitals, some of you work there. I mean, they, the the hearse rolls up on the regular out the back to pick up another person to take them to the funeral home. Throughout the day, all day, every day, all throughout town, people that are dying and most that are dying and going to hell. The laborers, we have here that they're so few. I'll say a few things about laborers. One, a laborer has to be willing to give their time. Um... I know everybody's busy. I know all of y'all are probably busy. If you're not, I got some stuff around the house I need you to help me with. But everybody is busy. I know that. And and God has called us to work and to, and to take care of our families. That is a godly thing to do. That's expected. But I know for me, I won't, I'll, I'll be easy on y'all. I know for me sometimes I get a little bit too caught up in getting up, making the coffee, and making the paycheck for the week. And not thinking enough about the eternal matters in this world. 
we have to be very cautious that we are in in this world and we do have to work and we we do have to provide, especially if we have families. But our our purpose as born again Christians is to share the gospel with other people and to lift up the name of Jesus. And if we're not doing that, quite honestly, we're not really living the type of Christian life the Bible says that we should. And that's a that is a that is a scary thing or a concerning thing. We have to be willing to give our time, but also say laborers have to be willing to give a great effort. We can't uh, we can't serve the Lord if we just do it in a lazy fashion and hope somebody else will pick up the slack. Um, some people will, and in some areas, maybe nobody does pick up the slack, and and uh, maybe there's there's someone that the Lord wants you to talk to um, about salvation, and uh, and you don't share the gospel with them. Hopefully, God will use somebody else to come on, but we don't know. We really don't know. If God has called us to a point in time to work for him, then we ought to be willing to do that. I'll tell you, as busy, we talk about being busy, as busy as I am, the thing that I find the most joy out of is serving the Lord. I frequently don't feel like I do a very good job of it, but I love doing it. I love, I love working for the Lord and, and just trying to, uh, just trying to glorify Jesus Christ. I, I'm so undeserving of salvation. I'm so undeserving of the love of God, that I want to give my time and give my effort to the Lord. But I ask you this morning, when you evaluate your life, as I've asked you to do, are, are the efforts you're giving to the Lord as great as they ought to be? I also say that laborers don't necessarily have to be skilled or unskilled. I was talking to a man this week, and he said that his biggest problem with getting work done is that he doesn't have anybody that's actually willing to do work. He can't, the people that he does have to do work, he says, sits around them. These are young men, sit around and play on their phone and won't actually do the work. And it's not that there's not work, it's that there's nobody to do it. He needs the help in doing it, but he's willing to take somebody that's not even skilled in it. They can be unskilled, he just needs somebody willing. And can I say, when it comes to us doing things for the Lord, don't believe you have to have it all figured out to serve God, that you have, that you have to, you know, sometimes I, I think, you know, people say, well, that I'm just not that kind of person. Listen, there was a point in time, and, and I admit right here to you, if you haven't figured it out, I'm no great grand preacher. But there was a point in time, the idea of me standing and preaching the word of God was the most foreign idea ever. It would it never crossed my mind that God, you know, would bring me to a place like this. But yet he but yet he has. And so it's not it's not me. It's not my skill or my ability I mean, quite honestly, there's a lack thereof, but it's him and his ability and what he wants to do through a willing vessel, through somebody that's willing to be you. If you will say, God, I don't know what I can offer, but I'm offering me and send me where you will and, and do with me what you will. I just want to serve you. I just want to glorify you, God. All we're required is that obedience and God will do the rest of it. But then... The last thing I want us to look at really is is this last verse on what Jesus says to his disciples about it. Is he says, "Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest." You know, we ought to pray, and we ought to we ought to that ought to be a very big part of our Christian life is regular prayer. I tell our teenagers all the time, don't just pray that God will bless your chicken biscuit right before you eat it, but pray to the Lord frequently. Um, as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us. Here that that our prayer it ought to be something that's intentional. We ought to set aside time to pray and talk to God. Um, you know, we, we our, 
it's been said before, but a relationship is 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 uh, best when you actually communicate in it. If I didn't talk to my wife regularly, um, then we would not have the closest of fellowship. Sometimes she might not want me to talk to her regularly, but it's I mean, with the Lord, we have to to have that close fellowship. We ought to talk and pray and, and share things with him and 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 follow after his leading. But I'd also say it, when when we learn something that there's so many people out there today in Knoxville, Tennessee, that need to be saved, that want to be saved, they may not know it, but they they are in great need of that. Yet we find there's so many people that are not willing to do it. That can be discouraging. But I say we ought to still pray through discouraging times as well. Uh, too many Christians have thrown up their hands in frustration or in discouragement and left the house of God and left left fellowship with other believers. You cannot you you cannot be live the fulfilling joyous life that God has given you to live when we do things like that. But we ought to pray through times of discouragement. There may be somebody you might be sitting here this morning saying, "Brother Kerry, I share the gospel every single time I see somebody. There's not a single person that comes in my sight that I don't tell them." Uh, about praise the Lord for that, but maybe there's somebody that you've been discouraged, you've been sharing the gospel with a long time, and they're still still not saved. I got people in my life like that, people that I've shared the gospel with that they know, and they think to me it is religion. They think to me it is just just my belief, but all these other beliefs are fine. They don't understand that I'm pleading with them the truth and dealing with eternal matters, and it can be such a discouraging thing. But I encourage you, if there's somebody that you have been praying for or somebody that you have or a, or a matter that has been discouraging. Don't give up on that. Don't give up on those that that uh, that you're still waiting. George Mueller had, uh, I believe, seven men that he was praying for up until the point that he died. And before he died, five of those men um, had been saved, but two of them had not. And one of them, as they were uh, as they were uh, carrying his casket up to bury him, one of them was the pallbearers, and then the Holy Spirit convicted him, and he fell down on his knees and got saved right there, carrying the body of the man that had prayed for him but towards the end of his life. We ought to just continue and pray through times of discouragement, but also say we ought to pray with expectation. You know, God wants us to do this work of sharing the gospel with others. We're commanded to do it as Christians. We ought to pray that God will put people in front of us that will be willing to listen and that their heart will be an open door for us to share the gospel with them. I promise you, if you if you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground and you, you pray to the Lord and ask God to open doors for you to share the gospel, he will open doors for you to share the gospel. You will see people saved if it is the expectation of what you're praying for and trying to, to live your life for is to see people born again. But also, as I said last also, as I said, speaking here lastly, is we ought to pray frequently. Um, we, ought, we ought to regularly go before the Lord. As I said, I'm, I'm constantly in need of help from God. I, I myself, I, I, I don't have the words to say. I don't have the, the, the ability to, to necessarily reach somebody, but the Holy Spirit can. And, and if I'm willing to be obedient, then I trust that the Holy Spirit will deal with somebody's heart and will also help me to be able to share the gospel. So I ask you this morning, as Jesus had compassion on the multitude, have you lately in your life, have you had the type of compassion that Jesus had? Have you been sharing the gospel with others? Let's bow our heads. Let's close in prayer. Piano player can come up. Let's pray and then we'll open for invitation. Father, 
Lord, I've given this message the best of my ability. Uh, Lord, you are so good to us, and we are we are so undeserving of anything from you. But God, you we we just come before you this morning, lifting up Jesus and and praying that you'll deal with hearts. God, I, I pray that you will let us consider what what efforts we have been making for you lately, whether we've been putting other things in front of you. Let us be wholly devoted to you, Lord, in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.